Let us pray. Holy God, open your word to us and us to your word. Grant us your Holy Spirit as guide and teacher this day. Amen. This morning's Old Testament reading comes from Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 through 18, found on page 206 in your pew Bibles. Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 36 through 38, found on page 60 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Reading from Luke, chapter 6, verses 36 through 38, listen to God's word to you. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The word of the Lord. By way of full disclosure, I am not a pastor, and I don't play one on television. I am here this morning because I'm a member of the Stewardship Committee, and it is an honor to stand in this pulpit where so many pastors and lay leaders have delivered inspiring messages over the years. Today is our Commitment or Dedication Sunday. This year, the Stewardship Committee decided to go all out and we made a big deal out of not only today, but the preceding weeks leading up to this Dedication Sunday. We've had stewardship messages delivered at the beginning of each service during the past several weeks. Members of the congregation have recorded their reasons to give on video. 
And if you haven't seen them, I encourage you to watch them on the monitor down the hallway after the service. And then just this past Wednesday evening, many of us enjoyed a delicious old-fashioned potluck supper with a stirring message given by the pastor of Three Chop Presbyterian Church. And today, our dedication week will culminate later in the service when you will have the opportunity to walk to the front of the sanctuary with either your pledge card or the card found in your pew along with your offering and place it in the basket. So why, you may ask, why did we do all of this when normally we just send out the pledge cards and ask you to prayerfully consider your gift to the church and then to mail it in by a certain date? Well, in our discussions and planning, we felt that this was a special one. This year was a special one for our stewardship campaign, not only financially, but spiritually. Our church will undergo a major change this coming February when our senior pastor, Charlie, retires after 15 years here at First Pres. When Charlie has headed out to his favorite fishing hole or to the tennis court, we will have an interim pastor while a search committee is formed to look for a permanent senior pastor. The process to find our next senior pastor will take months and probably longer than a year, an entire year. For some, this change may be a little bit unsettling. Some may view it as a time of waiting, waiting to see who the interim is and then waiting to see who is chosen as the senior pastor. And there's nothing wrong with waiting. Waiting for Christmas can be a magical time in a child's life. But these coming months can also be a time of discernment and action for us individually and as a congregation. That's how I like to view it, a time to decide how to dedicate myself, ourselves, to the work of this church as the ministry of Christ among us. The words dedicate or dedication suggest participation, energy, devotion. And when I consider the meaning of these words, I think of Jesus, who was a man of action even when he was quiet and prayed to his creator, but most especially when he was preaching, healing, and breaking bread with his disciples. And so in these coming months, while we are in this period of transition, I feel I have to ask, how can I better dedicate myself to the teachings of Jesus and to the mission of this church? What can I do within these walls and in the community beyond to inspire, nurture, and serve to the glory of God, which is our church mission mission statement? Will I help facilitate a new adult Bible study? Will I venture out of my comfort zone and attend a risk meeting in Church Hill? Will I finally send that get well card to a church member in the hospital that I've been putting off for weeks? Or will I read the Bible more faithfully and try to understand God's will for me? Many times throughout the year with my work, I have the opportunity to drive around the state as I head to various meetings. When I can't find a decent radio station, I like to listen to sermons on my iPad that I can download from the Internet. One of the preachers I listened to recently is Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in Southern California. You may have heard of him. He is the author of A Purpose Driven Life, 
which was a blockbuster bestseller and made him millions of dollars. But long before he wrote that book, Rick started Saddleback in a high school gymnasium because they didn't have the money to build a church building. And since those humble beginnings, Saddleback has grown into a mega church with nine regional campuses, four international campuses, and more than 1,000 small groups within the church. Rick is sought out as a speaker in national and international conferences. He has delivered the invocation at a presidential inauguration, and he recently preached at Pope Francis's visit to Philadelphia. Now, you might think that a man who has experienced such great success may have a supersized ego, but after the record-setting sales of his book, he returned 25 years of salary to the church, and now he doesn't even take a salary. He still lives in the same house he always has, and Rick and his wife became reverse tithers, giving away 90% of their income and living off 10%. In the sermon I listened to recently, Rick had been away for several weeks preaching at the Saddleback Church in the Philippines. So when he returned to California, he told his congregation how much he missed them, and then he thanked those who had subbed for him in the pulpit. He went on to say that it is important to hear God's word from different people and that this is a purpose-driven church, not a personality-driven church, and that those at Saddleback are committed to Jesus and not to him. And then he added, Jesus is going to be here no matter who's preaching. Finally, he said that Saddleback Church has deep bench strength, which is a football term, They have deep bench strength in its associate pastors, Bible teachers, and small group leaders. And I know we have deep bench strength here at First Press. We have Rosalind, Chris, and Mary Kay as our associate pastors, Suzanne as our minister of music, and we have Jesus Christ with us no matter who will be in the pulpit in the coming months. Most importantly, our deep bench strength includes every one of you. I look out over the congregation and I see so many dedicated church members who are involved in teaching our children about Jesus, leading adult Bible studies, working with the community, and keeping our gorgeous building looking beautiful. You give and give and give, and that is grace. But most importantly, I see a church family whose members love and care for each other and who are there for each other in good times and difficult ones. And for you, I give thanks, for you have blessed my life and the lives of many others in this congregation, and you will continue to do so, no matter who stands in this pulpit. So let us join together and dedicate ourselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ in this place and go forward into the new year with a sense of gratitude and purpose and a renewed call to inspire, nurture, and serve to the glory of God. Round two. Ooh, the pulpit. Whoa. I can see all of y'all from here. I generally sit behind Stanley in the choir... He's 6'8 or something, and all I can see generally from Karen to Steve Siegel over to Gary Wright and his mom, 
Hey, Miss Wright. <clears throat> to recap Wednesday night, three child Presbyterian, the message from Wednesday night, three child Presbyterian, 300 people raised a million dollars. There are about 250 of us here today. If we count the earlier services, about a third of our 1,200 member congregation attends services regularly. And our 1,200 member congregation raises pledges about $1.4 million each year. Our financial commitment to this church in many ways defines who we are as a church. Speaking as both a member of the Stewardship Committee and as a fellow congregation member, thank you. I deeply appreciate your joining me in making a pledge this year. This morning I want to talk to you about the grace of giving this year's stewardship theme and about our part in being the Church of Jesus Christ. When I drive down the street and see a homeless person, I say to myself, I say to myself there but for the grace of God go I. Because that's true. I'm not homeless. Some people put it in terms of luck. I won life's lottery. I was born in America, in Virginia, thank God, to middle-class parents who worked hard. I thank the Lord every day, not for being lucky, but for living a life blessed by grace. I did nothing to deserve being a Virginian, being middle-class, being sheltered and fed by loving parents, and sadly, I cannot share those blessings. I cannot share that capital. I can only share the interest that that capital earned. We live in a society ruled by justice. We earn, we are entitled to our earnings, and we are not compelled to share what we have. Our laws attempt justice. Our laws condemn the thief who brutalized the Samaritan. But our laws provide no comfort for the Samaritan. Only our hearts do that. Our hearts, when we realize we have been given so much by the grace of God, when we realize that God renders mercy through us, through the grace of giving. I, Charlie told me to keep it personal. <clears throat> I never went to seminary, so I feel a little unprepared to speak from the pulpit. I worked in Hollywood, Holly Weird, for 20 years on movies and TV shows. I made a nice living putting garbage on your television. You're welcome. So I feel I have a, a karma debt to pay. Can I, can I say karma in the pulpit? So I became a high school English teacher. 
I'm not so good at quoting from the Bible, but I can quote Shakespeare. Ready for a little audience participation? This is where you nod. When I say mercy, I want you to say the grace of giving. Okay? Let's try that. Mercy. Very nice. The quality of mercy is not strained, it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven. Right? Portia, Shylock, Merchant of Venice, Pound of Flesh. I'm trying to conflate the concepts of God's mercy and the grace of giving because that's all we have to ameliorate the pain and suffering caused by justice or lack thereof and man's self-centeredness. So, the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. It is mightiest in the mightiest. It, mercy, I said, (laughs) tis mightiest in the mightiest, the grace of giving. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is beyond this scepter sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It, mercy, is an attribute to God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. Therefore, Jew, therefore, you, Though justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. We do pray for mercy. And that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. Excellent. Thank you. Shylock is a Jew and probably doesn't get Portia's reference to the Lord's Prayer. But we do. We do pray for mercy, forgive us our debts. And that same prayer teaches us to render in kind as we forgive our debtors. Now, I would like to argue that the operative word in that sentence is as. Ex-English teacher. Same as in Luke 6.36. Be merciful as your God is merciful. As has several meanings. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Forgive us because we forgive. And also forgive us in the same way that we forgive. As Portia says to Shylock, when we forgive, when we show mercy, when we give, to the, grace, when we give the grace of giving to others, it is because we have first received those same graces from God above. But Portia is wrong to make it a simple causality, an if-then statement, a quid pro quo. 
she is playing a lawyer. As also means at the same time. When we pledge to the church to further its mission, we do so not only because we have been blessed in the past, but also because the very act of our giving is literally God giving grace now. Through us. He doesn't have a checking account. I've been baptized. I've been a Presbyterian longer than I've been a member of anything else. I was baptized in a Presbyterian church. Raise your hand if you can say that. I'm going to ask you to keep your hands up for this. Baptized in a Presbyterian church. Raise your hand if you were married by a Presbyterian pastor. Twice for me. Raise your hands if you were married by Charlie. If you were married by Mary Kay. Chris. Rosalind. Raise your hands if you were married by Randy Stevens. Raise your hands if you were married by Jack Sadler. Edwin Regan. Did I pronounce it right, Nancy? No? Walter Carson. Raise your hand if you were married or baptized or joined or hoped to have a memorial service by a Presbyterian, led by a Presbyterian minister. All right, that got everybody. The first Presbyterian church of Richmond is not Charlie or Mary Kay or Chris. It's Rosalind. When Charlie leaves next spring, our women's circles will continue their umpteenth decade here. Folks, we're in for a couple of years that can best be described in flux or interesting. And yet, the youngest person in your pew this morning will guide the babies in our child care today through their confirmation class. This is the time, this is the year when we need to say who we are to fund the missions and goals that define us long before we get even an interim pastor. Let's let the search committee for a new pastor say, this is who we are. Not go to a new pastor and say, who would you, who, who are you? Who would you like to lead? When you meet as a small group, You are this church. Well, this year, stewardship is tracking pledges by participation through small groups. We have lots of small groups. This is just a few that meet regularly. And I want to apologize for the typographical error. I left an R out of one of the small groups. So, Jim Irby, your group is the brothers in Christ, not bothers in Christ. When your Bible study or youth ministry or circle group meets, you do so imbued with the Holy Spirit as a function and blessing of this church. And when you work with others downstairs to shelter the Caritas families, when you tutor at George Mason, when you glue pipe to filter water in Haiti, or when you pledge and write a check that pays for that pipe, You are being merciful. You are experiencing the grace of giving. 
To put it simply, and let's make no mistake about this, this church changes lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's say that aloud together, FPC. FPC changes lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it again. FPC changes lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it, but with we. We change lives in the name of Jesus Christ. One more time with gusto. We change lives in the name of Jesus Christ. You are his church. We are his church. Say it, own it, support it. And may all this that we do be glory to God. Amen. Having listened to the 